Sup everyone, I'm just going to send out all the invites and I'm going to introduce you to two new people we have. We got um, a gentleman by the name of Scott Melker and another one is by the name of Crypto Man Ran. So I'll introduce him in a bit. They're our new guests for today. Bruce, how are you? Great, how's it going? Good, man, good. Have you have you met uh, uh, Scott and Ran? I'm not sure if you've heard of them before. They're our special guests for today. Never heard of them. Are they uh, are they noobs? Um, Scott is anti crypto, and Ran is one of these NFT guys. Um, that just you know meme coin and NFTs is his thing, and you know those people that are in that space but don't know anything about how crypto works in the blockchain. And this is Ran. Uh, you'll meet him in a bit. Yeah, it's kind of like me. What I am, I'm a fiat guy. I say fiat. You know, I know fiat has some problems, but. It's our duty as citizens to, to, to support fiat because otherwise we wouldn't have the government. Oh, they I actually just applied for a job at the SEC. So. <laughs> Matt, the, the, oh, I would take a job at the SEC. The, the, you better believe it. You know which job it is. Man, oh, the, 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 day, the day I see, imagine I see a news article comes out and it says, Scott Melker appointed as a chairman of the SEC. I would be like the chairman's like, you know how epic you're executive you know, assistant. You know how epic that would be, man. Like you're leading the SEC, you'll become a shit show. I don't oh, know. So much so much worse than it is now, but in a beautiful way. <laughs> in a very very fun way, man. It'll become a reality show. Um all right, man, I've sent out all the invites. Good to have you. How was your trip? It was great. I was actually with Ran. Uh we definitely enjoyed uh not having you with us. <laughs> um <laughs> All weekend at, at, at Formula One uh, with, with OKX and Mc, McLaren, and we somehow like worked our way down to getting fully sprayed with champagne by uh, you know in the winners' circle. Do you have Do you have any videos? I posted a couple of them on Twitter. I mean, it, it was literally crazy. And you know, McLaren has uh, been pretty awful this season for anyone who follows Formula One. But they this is their home race at British Grand Prix, and they came in second and fourth. So it was like a extremely epic just moment to be there. It was crazy. I mean, we were in the garage wearing the headphones, listening to the team, like when they pulled out for the race. It was insane. Absolutely insane. Sounds extremely boring. By the way, the uh, the CB the CBOE just now just tweeted just now. I think about a few seconds ago, I guess, or a couple of minutes ago, that um, they've changed. So sorry, James, who's been a guest, he's uh, tweeted that uh, CBOE has filed amendments for all five of their ETF applications. And then the change they changed for Coinbase um, uh, regarding Coinbase's partnership. They changed expecting to enter to reach an agreement on terms. So just a small update here on the ETF story, and we're going to be talking about that in a bit. Um, and I'm going to introduce you, Scott, to a gentleman called Ran. Oh, hold on, you you spent time with him in the UK uh, without me. I appreciate it. We did. We said, and when I tell you we spent time. Because of the traffic was so bad from London to Silverstone, we were knee to knee, you know, back to like me sitting backwards in a car for seven hours, two days in a row, spent like really quality, solid. Yeah, I really liked you guys, but there's no way I'd come with you to the UK. Like if you invited me, it'd be so it annoying to, to be. Uh, we were supposed to helicopter out, uh, which would have been like 30 or 40 minutes and then ended up being cars from London. How long, how long did that take? How long did the car take? So I, I went to McLaren, uh, the McLaren Center, and it took two hours each way, and then to, on Wednesday, and that's twenty miles, um, and then uh, to the track, which is about fifty miles, took uh, anywhere between two to four and a half hours, depending on the day. Holy but, shit! Uh, hold on, two 
two and a half hours there on Sunday and four and a half hours back. And then helicopter would have been 40 minutes. What happened to the chopper? Bear market? Uh, they, yeah, bear market. Okay. <laughs> All right, good to have you back. Um, so today's show will be pretty... Um, I think we're going to recap what we discussed yesterday. We've got a, a, a new panelist that weren't here yesterday to get their thoughts. Eleanor, it's been a long time. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Mario. How are you? Um, so we're going to talk about the uh, uh, macro. You know, we've got a lot of announcements coming in this week. We've got a pretty good agenda. Um, so I'm going to be mentioning those, spending a bit of time on that. Then we're going to dig into a few updates on the ETF story. Um, and then dig into um, Arcom, a project that, people love to love or love to hate and we've got the ceo coming on it's gonna be a really interesting discussion i've been looking into it <laughs> scott what was it what was your what was your actually no keep it for when he joins your feedback when he looked at it it's really it was is pretty funny to me but i found it to be a very fascinating project like if i want people to to be critical because i'm going to destroy anyone critical even though I'm, I'm not invested and have no incentive to do so because i really like the concept assuming technically it makes sense but um scott let's start with you man um, as our special guest for today, maybe introduce yourself for the audience, who you are, what you do, and then tell us about the uh, macro story. Uh, you're so difficult. Um, uh, let me add, actually, we have Garrett here. <laughs> Scott, okay, no, let me, let me ask you a specific question. So, so next, oh, this week, sorry, we've got CPI coming in tomorrow, PPI on Thursday, jobless claims on Thursdays, consumer sentiment on Friday, bank earnings began, began yesterday, the big ones are on Friday. And we've got eight Fed speakers. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I'll get you out of this one. Uh, Gareth, um, I want to be brief on this, just get some new voices um, on this topic because we discussed it at length yesterday. But my question is pretty broad. Like, what do you expect? And I'll, I'm going to read out what, um, what I think is JP uh, Morgan. Let me see what they've said. Get your thoughts on that. And then how important is it when it comes to crypto? Um, would love to get your thoughts. Yeah, so so at least in regards to Bitcoin, the CPI data tomorrow will be very very important. Uh, we've seen Bitcoin hovering between this thirty and thirty one thousand level now for many many weeks. And again, anytime something hovers in a tight range, it's like a spring that's winding up. So whichever way it goes, you should expect a big move in that direction. Upside resistance would be around thirty five thousand. Downside would be about twenty six thousand if we see a break through the thirty thousand level to the downside. So. So overall, I think that um, the markets here are are primed for something to happen. Uh, we've know we know that it's been dead recently, and I think uh, tomorrow CPI could be the answer to that move. And so there's one argument that was being made is that it doesn't matter as much as it did. Like the ETF story is what everyone cares about, and it's kind of everything. I that's that's my who's argument. that who's that hold on who's that who's that who's who's that voice? That's a new oh it's Ryan, one of our new speakers. Ryan, yeah, how are you? Good to have you. So. <laughs> I can feel it. I can feel it. I think that I think that this uh, CPI reading, I mean, is a non-event. It's an absolute non-event. It may hit the the traditional markets down slightly, but net net, I don't see this market the CPI as a big. What about all the other announcements that I expected? We've got the PPI, we've got the sentiment, we've got bank earnings. You think all of this doesn't jobless claims? All of this doesn't matter anymore. We're in a everything's been well, kind of priced yeah, in. The, the, the king of all announcements is the CPI announcement. The PPI announcement is just indicator which which then um points to what the cpi is going to do in the following month or, or two months later because it is effectively just a um uh a, a pre to the cpi now the cpi is expected to go down whether it goes down from four to three point two or four to three point one or whatever whatever the, the number is 
I, I think that the big narrative right now is the ETF. I think that the big narrative now is we're in a big raging bull market. And I don't think that in these kind of bull markets, month and month CPI data can actually improve the market. Uh, Gareth, Gareth, tell us. But I also just feel like, like challenging Gareth. Yeah, Gareth, tell, tell us. Please tell me why Rand is, is wrong. And, and I'll read out what I think it's JP, but I can't remember who made these... Uh, um, the statement, but US CPI for June is due on Wednesday. Headline is expected to fall to 3.2 year over year, which would make for the lowest print since March 2021. Um, and then I think there is, I'll read out what they said about what they expect in terms of the markets. But um, Gareth, uh, is Ryan right? Like, does it matter a lot less now? And everyone just cares about the uh, the ETF, which we'll talk, we'll give a few updates on that in a, in a bit, or uh, it matters a lot more and he's wrong. Well, I do think it matters somewhat, and the reason it matters somewhat is that that we know that we had higher hour, uh, hourly earning uh, earnings or wages in the last non-farm payrolls last week. So, so there's been there's been some data showing the the economy is weakening, jobs starting to kind of downtick a little bit, but you're still seeing wage pressure to the upside, which is inflationary. So, this reading tomorrow can go a long way to telling us whether there's going to be for sure. And right now, I think it's a 92 percent chance that there's the Fed is hiking end of month. Um, but will the Fed have to raise again after that? And if the CPI comes in a little hotter than expected, you're going to see those forward, you know, chances of rate hikes, you know, going out to August, September, October, et cetera. Those are going to start to jump up, and the market will react to that. The stock market and the crypto market probably will react. And to David, that. Uh, I'd say it reacts for like an hour, Mario. Hey, we see it every time now. It yeah. depends, unless unless you have a surprise, though. And like, we're talking about if, if it's with. Yeah, but then by the next day, we're on to the seventeenth Fed speaker. That how about how about bank earnings? The narrative of inflation, the narrative of inflation and interest rate increases is it's finished. It's dead. And we're all expecting another interest rate increase. Um there's a ninety-nine percent chance or ninety-eight percent chance as, as Gareth says. And it's got I mean the truth is if we get it slightly higher, slightly lower, the market's looking way beyond that now. The market's looking towards uh, the next narrative. And the narrative. All right, let's let's talk. About, let, let's move to the next narrative, uh, David. I'd like to get your final thoughts on this, and then I'd move to the next narrative, which is uh, the ETF updates. Dave. Yeah. So I uh, I think that unless there's going to be a major risk on or risk off, um, you know, uh, follow through in the equity markets, I, I don't think that this is going to affect crypto. I, I do agree that the major narrative is around the ETF. Um, I think there are other narratives abound, you know, beyond the ETF that that are important. Um, you know, certainly some of the litigation that's going on is important, uh, certainly for specific coins uh, in particular. That's really, but that's really, really long term. I think in the short to medium term, litigation won't yield any results. I don't know if David, uh, uh, David Silva, would see. I don't. I don't think it's about yielding results. I, I do feel. I do think that. We see volatility from it in the markets. Certainly short-lived, but nevertheless volatility. Let me, David, I'm going to play a quick clip, and I'd like to get your thoughts, guys. So that's uh, 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 the former um, uh, Jay Clayton, former SEC chair, saying essentially that spot Bitcoin ETFs should be approved. So that's pretty bullish news. I'm going to play out the clip. It's a one-minute clip, and we'd love to get your thoughts, because this is obviously the story of crypto for this week, this month, um, at least next couple of months. So let me play the clip. Say no to a spot ETF. Well, it's longer. Well, it goes to that issue. I think that when the SEC approved the futures-based ETF, they said, "Let's look at the futures market. We see the surveillance. We see we see the protections in that market for the end investor that are sufficient. 
We don't see them in the spot market, so we're going to make that distinction. I think what the institutions are arguing is that those those distinctions have gone away, and now the spot product is actually less drag, more efficient for the investor. So if there's not that delta in regulation, not that delta in what I could say efficacy, the spot should be approved. That's the that's the argument that's going on right now. The the the, the regulatory process, whether it doesn't matter. It's been a while already. It, it's been a while already. What what I would say is this if they're right, that you can demonstrate that the spot market has similar efficacy to the futures market, you know, it's, it would be hard to resist. So guys, yes, so so uh, keywords here, um, it would be hard to resist the last, the last statement he's made. So are we, can we just start popping the champagne bottles? Like is everything is pointing to the ETF getting approved in the short term. Um, what, I got, what do you guys think? Definitely, definitely a rocky road still. Uh, I don't think it's a straight line to approval. Gary Gensler has no friends, and Gary Gensler is a political pawn. That that that's the bottom line of all of this, and I, I think it's kind of sad that we've devolved to this point. So it is. David, what do you think? A silver. Well, no, sorry guys, I'm doing like. Oh, so we'll go, we'll go, Dave, Dave. But yes, I'll just, I'm not sure you heard Jake Clayton's statements, but he essentially said that he expects the, the, the ETF to get approved. Didn't say when, uh, but he's pretty pretty optimistic on it, David. And um, we would love to get your thoughts and Dave's thoughts as well. So it's always easy for my ex-wife to, you know, tell me all the things I should do differently. It's not like Jake Clayton approved an ETF when he was in charge. So I, I, I take with a grain of salt when people who could have done something tell me how easy it is to do something when they're no longer involved. I think it, I'm not sure that that's the best argument because I think the market's really charged since like Jay Clayton was was actually there. Um, you know, we have a much better infrastructure and we have much less market manipulation. We have a much more regulated market than the days when Jay Clayton was um, was uh, uh, in 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 his hot seat. That you know he left he left a long time ago. Uh, I do think that he has a very very valid point when it comes to the Bitcoin futures and Bitcoin spot ETF. And the reason for that, if you look at the return of the futures ETF, the return of the futures ETF year to date is 57.86%. And if you look at the spot return of Bitcoin, it's about 85%. So the problem is that the futures ETF gives a lower return than the spot ETF. Now, the reason for that is quite complicated. It's called Contango. Um, I don't want to get into, into what Contango is. I think it is quite complicated, but suffice to say, that when you're buying a Bitcoin futures ETF, the future, uh, the the fund or the ETF has to keep buying longer dated futures contracts and exiting shorter dated future contracts to keep up as futures actually expire. And so what happens is over the long term, you get a futures ETF performing uh, uh, less than the spot. It happens in, in lots of commodities markets. It happens in oil and, and other commodities markets. Now, the irony is that the SEC has now approved a Bitcoin leveraged futures ETF, and they haven't approved a spot ETF, and they have this data that the futures ETF underperforms spot. They're not, they're, you know, they have this data at their fingertips. So I think it's it, it's starting to become a really, really, really tough argument of of declining an ETF. It's not to say Gary Gensler can't do it, because he can, but I think it's starting to become a very difficult argument. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it, uh, that's great points. Obviously, you saw my 100% rant. 
it, it's very good points. But there's two things I want to mention. It's precisely because uh, uh, Gensler is a political, uh, well, you, you use the word pawn or someone used the word pawn, but he's a political animal that he's going to approve the ETF now. It's because he now has the ability to say, you see, guys, I was right and take a win and say by being obstreperous, he managed to get uh, surveillance sharing and information sharing agreements, which give the SEC regulatory authority or at least some regulatory authority over Coinbase uh, and Bitcoin trading, which there was no way as a commodity he had a chance to do before. And it was his clear goal from the beginning. Now, he's distinguished from Jay Clayton, who made two epic mistakes as as chair and knows he made two epic mistakes as chair and is trying to rectify them. One was not approving a spot ETF. Uh, he kind of knows the reason he didn't do it had nothing to do with the reasons you said, because by that point, by the time he was out of office or going out of office in that those last six months, Coinbase already had anti-manipulation software, et cetera. And he could have in he could have engaged and gotten what Gensler has now gotten from BlackRock, but that's besides the point. But the second one, the worst one, the one that we're all dealing with now, is the failure to adopt uh, Commissioner Person's safe harbor proposal and actually work on reasonable regulation. And I know he regrets that now. So now he's gonna do everything he can to try to rectify his past mistakes. But Gensler cares a lot about jurisdiction, has always cared about jurisdiction, and will continue to care about jurisdiction. And now he's gained something. Frankly, this is probably the best deal he can get without Congress giving him authority. And if he rejects here, uh, it's more likely Congress will take authority away. So I think that that's the reason I believe he's going to approve it. Uh, Dave, I want to kind of point something out. Uh, It was tweeted by Lex Moskovsky. Um, And he tweeted a few media articles about Bitcoin. So he tweets, Bitcoin suddenly has become a greener, helps third world countries, and is not being used by the baddies anymore since since BlackRock filed for for its ETF. There's some of the headlines. Everything you need to know about Bitcoin and the environment. How Bitcoin helps civilians escape the war in Sudan. And that's recent. That's July 7th, July 5th, 12 hours ago. Bitcoin network to reduce more emissions than its energy sources produce. And then on July 6th, terrorists, North Korea, and other illicit actors move beyond Bitcoin. So are we seeing a narrative, you know, the, the entire narrative towards crypto shift? And, and should that be looked into? You know, is that, would you look at that as a positive sign or, or are we kind of looking too deep into it? I think it is a positive sign, but that's sort of a top signal, right? I, I'm not actually saying that the market is no, it's more, it's more, it's not, it's not really, but they're not talking about, they're not talking about the price. It's more of, it's, these are, these are kind of adoption type. Yes, but, but price lead, price sadly generally leads narrative. Sorry, right? When things are down when you see the doom and despair and it's going to zero and we're boiling the ocean. And when things are great is when you get all the good news and that's usually the time. I'm not saying that that's the case here with the market. But we've seen these narratives shift back and forth at various times. And it is, I, I do think he's correct. It's because of BlackRock. Listen, you can't make uh, aggressive environmental claims about Bitcoin when the world leader, yet he, which is BlackRock, was filing for an ETF. That really does kill that fun and kill that narrative completely in my mind. I mean, look, the, I've been talking about in my weekly recaps on CoinRouse, the, the narrative shift for three weeks. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Epsilon Theory. Because they have a balanced, you know, they talk about narratives in society, and narratives are much more like aircraft carriers than they are like you know, fighter planes. You know, they don't change overnight. But the fact is that the FUD 
that literally is spud that is bullshit has is getting routed now and it means that the people who hate bitcoin for their own selfish reasons i.e they want to support the existing financial system yada yada there's they want government control we all understand what their re- real reasons are have to find new fud uh because as, as scott said esg has been well look we, we all know it's been garbage from the beginning i mean Nick carter has done a phenomenal job of explaining to anyone who will listen or read why but you know obviously larry fink agrees with him and when you have someone like that you know it makes that narrative difficult you know the chain analysis i was talking to their ceo a couple of weeks ago at a conference and you know that epic conversation he had with elizabeth warren a year and a half ago i think it was a year and a half ago, it was a while ago uh at congressional hearings was amazing and but that didn't stop them from making the same claims it's just they do it you know and and it'll come back scott's right but this narrative shift does mean something and dave you're right that it's usually you know obviously the sort of that you alluded to that takes a long time to turn an aircraft carrier this this because of the size of blackrock this is almost the first time i've seen them change so quickly I won't say quite like a fighter jet, but this is it is a pretty aggressive and fast narrative change. I mean, it's almost like we forget that the same week or within days we had SEC enforcement action against finance, SEC enforcement action against Coinbase, anti-crypto army and Biden, these things only weeks before that. And then the second the BlackRock ETF news dropped, Bitcoin goes from 25000 to 31000 and uh, eloquently put, it became all roses and puppy dogs and unicorns. So this was, I, I agree with you, this is the fastest intimateship I think I've even seen in this market. Well, because, I, I mean, Black Rock is the biggest asset manager in the world. It makes sense. Yeah, I mean, politics is, is, is a game, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like a game of risk. And we played a family game of risk and it was rather amusing, but, you know, it's a game of risk. Uh, the SEC overextended themselves by going after Coinbase and then proceeded to make it worse by not only they go after them, but they backed them into a corner. And so the world essentially cha- took, you know, choose sides at that point. And the courts, we all know, uh, aren't going aren't to be too kind. We know what the Republicans in Congress think. We know what a bunch of Democrats think. The point of this narrative is important. We have a, polit- we have a major election coming up. And do you want to be on the wrong side of a fast-turning powerful narrative and give the other side an issue or not and that's really the thing and so it's important to keep that pressure up but as long as that pressure is there that's the other reason i really do believe he'll approve the etf to try to take oxygen away from the making this an issue that could rebound against you know gary's political bosses let me let me jump in scott um uh, first before introducing our guest and the next topic uh, which i think a lot of people are waiting for pretty interesting topic and Ren, it's going to be a fun discussion. Can't wait to argue with you on, on this uh, particular topic. And let me remind the audience, if you want to come on the show as a sponsor, I think the next sponsor is going to be tomorrow. But if you want to come on, make sure you hit us up. The pinned tweets at the top, there's an email there. Um, or just DM us if you don't want to email, if you're not uh, a boomer. So just DM me or Ran, but uh, we prefer emails. Otherwise, uh, you know, we have Miguel, Miguel from Arkham. Not sure how many on the panel know about Arkham. I'm sure you've heard of it. Their tweet with the video, uh, their promo video, the announcement that was yesterday. It's got 2.2 million impressions, 3,000 likes, 2,000 retweets, and uh, 500 comments. And it's a thread that explains it. Now, I'm going to just explain it in one sentence and give the mic to Miguel to kind of explain it further. And the, the reason we're chatting to Arkham here is not, it's more about the, the solution 
um, that Arkham is is focusing on rather than Arkham itself. So in their first tweet, the way they describe themselves is they're a, a blockchain or first on-chain intelligence exchange. And they allow people to buy and sell information on the owner of any blockchain wallet address anonymously via smart contract. And probably Bruce is about to have a heart attack. And it's really... Um, it's been a very polarizing topic in the industry. So Miguel, I want to give you the mic and I want you to tell us first, what do you guys do and try to be as objective as possible. But if you can also tell us what is, what, what are, what is some of the criticism you're receiving and obviously you can respond to it as well, but why are so many people being critical on, on the, the, the solution you guys are offering Miguel? Hey Mario, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Um, so Basically, I, I founded Arkham a couple of years ago in, in January 2020 um, and working on it since essentially building a platform uh, for what we've described as um, the general kind of transparency of, of crypto wallet addresses and, uh, and the entities behind it. Um, and so what we have actually developed and are, and are planning on launching, which we, we made a, quite a big splash about yesterday, uh, is what we're describing as the uh, Arkham Intel Exchange. So... To date, our platform actually has uh, been running in, in private beta um, since uh, about August. So August of, of last year, um, thereabouts um, is when we actually launched the beta. Uh, to date, we've, we've gotten probably about a quarter million users um, using our, our platform in order to do on-chain analysis. Um, but all of the information that you see on the platform is actually produced by Arkham itself, right? We basically focus on analyzing uh, strictly publicly available information uh, to then make connections about you know what sort of entities own uh, which particular wallets. But so so um, make, so what we're so yeah. make, yeah, but essentially like it, just to kind of simplify for the audience, you you incentivize people to dox others in in uh, on the blockchain, you know, in in the crypto community. Is that a fair? A fair simplification of what your platform does, because I want to get into the advantages and then the the, the, the disadvantages or the criticism you guys are receiving. So to date, absolutely all of the information that's available on Arkham has actually been produced by by the company with no sort of external help. Right, we don't use any of the data that people provide, um, and we have our own analysis teams and algorithms which you know sort of look at information and then deem you know which entities own which particular wallets. The Intel Exchange is not meant um, to necessarily be a place where people are posting um, direct, you know, information um, about the the you know exact like location of people, you know, where they live, like all of this kind of info. It's actually meant more for from an on-chain analysis perspective, right? So there's all these situations where you have these crises within crypto, and it happens every so often, and people kind of flip flop between you know what they think, you know, whether or not they think we're good or bad, depending on how much of a of a fraudulent crisis is going on within crypto, but very often things can be happening on chain, especially scams, frauds, um, you know, obviously other kinds of negative information and people don't know who's behind the activity. This is one way where this can be exposed via a marketplace. Okay. So just Miguel, sorry, this is, this is Ryan. Um, I was wondering if I understand it correctly, because I, I mean, I've done a little bit of research, not, not a lot, I'll, I'll be the first to, to, to admit, but from what I understand, there is an incentive for people to tell you what they know about other people's wallets. So I'll give you an example. If uh, me and you participated in, in the transaction, uh, in, in a private transaction, there is an incentive for you 
to uh, provide as much information about my wallet as possible because the marketplace incentivizes people to give information about other people's wallets and even their own wallets. Am, am I right in that? Yes, there is an incentive in order for people to go and uh, explain, you know, who owns which particular wallets. So, okay, so so, so essentially, so it's, it's, it's essentially, what Mario's explanation is around dox to end is pretty much right. Like, you could dox runs wallets, and for that, you would earn money, or you'd earn tokens, or whatever the, the mechanism is. So, one really crucial thing about the fact that it is a market is number one, it's not a completely free market. So it's not like anybody can just you know post any piece of information uh, and then it can go online. There are a bunch of restrictions and guidelines, all of which we will be rolling out. Like keep in mind, it's not live yet, right? It's coming, going to come live in the future. You know, there are a bunch of restrictions and rules about what can go on the marketplace, what cannot go on the marketplace. Is number one. So there is a focal point of what kind of information is revealed. Can you give it some of those rules? Can you give us some of those rules just to give us perspective? We're, we're, we're going to explain We're going to explain everything and it'll all be written out over the coming days uh, prior to the Intel Exchange being launched and that everybody can look at it. Right now, all of the information about the it Intel shouldn't Exchange talk about is, actually, shouldn't. is actually in the white paper. Um, what I will say uh, additionally is that the primary focus of the Intel Exchange is around trading firms, market makers, exchanges, very large kind of institutions uh, within the crypto space that people are actually following. At the end of the day, the main customer of Arkham is is traders. It's hedge funds. It's people making money off of information about you know who's buying and selling large positions of a particular token. Doesn't matter. It founders of doesn't matter why, etc. No, it does. It does matter. It does matter why because it, 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 it points to the general direction of the information. Right. Nobody's going to be posting info about somebody's dog if nobody cares. Right. Nor is it going to get approved. Right. Yeah, so information of, about normal the type of information is all on the blockchain. The type of information is on the, that is on the blockchain. Is financial information in in general. It's not about people's dogs, and and it's public. And what you and, and and it's public, right? It's publicly. It's a well, public thing. No, no, no. Certain parts of it are public, such as addresses. But the owner of the address is not is not public. And you're trying to de-anonymize the blockchain by making that a significant by incentivizing by you doing it by incentivizing people to give you whatever information they have about other people's wallets with a whole lot of restrictions that you don't want to talk about now or do you want to talk about now? So so let me give you let me give you one example. So to date, I don't know if you've used the Arkham platform, but I, I recommend that you at least check it out so that you can, you know, understand more about what what, what we actually do. Um, all of that to date has been done without the use of the Arkham Intel Exchange. And all of the information is completely publicly available. I know that you're saying that, you know, some of the information is is not public. That's not true. We've managed to collect information, you know, there's over 200, 300 million labels on the Arkham platform, ranging from exchanges, market makers, trading forums, large whales, you know, project treasuries, et cetera. And all of that information is publicly available, right? And so this is a continuation of that info beyond just the Arkham intelligence team, right? If there are people who have information about somebody who's conducted a hack um, or of other kind of info that's extremely valuable to the community, that is the kind of thing that will be accepted onto the, into the Ar Arkham Intel exchange and which will receive a lot of volume from the market. It will not be small individual private wallets because that's not the goal of the Arkham Intel Exchange. And B, no one actually cares about those and is going to pay money for them. So, so Miguel, I'm a, by the way, I'm a fan of your solution. I'm not a, and, you know, Ryan and Skull probably get pissed off now. I'm, I'm not as big of a fan as privacy as many other people. And I know Bruce will probably block me for saying this. 
Um, but that's just the way I live my life. And um, But I've also learned the importance of privacy. So when you incentivize people to to dock someone else or to reveal their identity, an identity of a wallet, um, it is a solution to a problem. And obviously the biggest problem it solves or hopefully will solve is um, is uh, doxing scammers. Revealing the brand, you've got a hot mic, Rand. Is doxing scammers. So my question to you is, what about the the nefarious ways that could be used? What if is there is a, 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 a whale's wallet and then he docks that whale and that whale now needs to get security. Like, I don't want anyone to know how much money I have. And when you incentivize people... And what if you're wrong? That's the second, that's the second point. That's the second point. I've got this one as well and I'm going to read out a tweet on this one. But Miguel, so, so I don't want my wealth to be known, for example. Uh, a bank account is private. So what if people start going... Uh, what, what if people dock my wallet? And what if they go above and beyond and not use publicly available information... Just for the reward, let's say it's a really big reward, big bounty on this wallet. They go above and beyond and somehow cross the line of what's publicly available and privately available just to um, uh, to dock someone's wallet. We'd love to get your thoughts on 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 this particular point. Yes, I think that's I think that's right. So, um, you know, these are all great questions. Um, I think that you know it's it's very multifaceted. So I'll, I'll try to go through them point by point. Number one, I think that the, if there are people who are very interested in maintaining privacy regarding their financial information, publicly available blockchains are probably the worst possible way of keeping one's private information private. You are literally making transactions which you are broadcasting to a decentralized network of millions of people, all of whom can look on chain in order to see which transaction is being sure. broadcast. So that's, that's number one. That's number two, point. on this one though, it is, this, yes. before, before we move to number two, it is, by the way, I'm a fan of your solution, just uh, uh, FYI. Um, but number, uh, on, on that particular point, uh, but blockchain is the only way to own your assets. The other solution is either cash or bank. So people are not using it because it's uh, it's uh, anonymous, because obviously being anonymous on the blockchain is not that easy, but they're using it as a way to own one's assets. I agree. I agree. And that's the reason why I use blockchain, right? Like if you, if you have a, you know, blockchain based financial asset, like that's an amazing utility for why one should use it. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I would use uh, a, a blockchain, right? Speed, ease of use, actually uh, owning your own asset, being able to make cross-border payments instantly. These are all amazing reasons for using cryptocurrency. Trying to be completely anonymous is not one, right? And this is something that, you know, many people do not understand and have kind of been operating as if blockchains are private um, when they aren't really. And I think that part of the news that we've kind of broken is the fact that, you know, it's not true. Even if you think you're using blockchains completely privately, it's not necessarily true. Thankfully, there are privacy solutions available out there for those who want them, right? Most this does not... We get, I, I like this essence. Yeah. I, I like, the, like, Scott, what, what bothers you? Like, you saw me and you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what, like for me, it's... If you don't use the blockchain, you understand that the blockchain is going to be. I, I, I believe in the listen. I believe in the free market. I believe people should be able to do whatever they want to do. But I believe that that response is disingenuous because we know that there's plenty of people who are transacting and don't think that they're laying breadcrumbs for some amateur sleuth to put together a story against them that's likely false. And I've seen it. I don't need to tell you about Arkham specifically, Miguel. And I think, like I said, conceptually, I understand. But I have seen people who do not know how to interpret on-chain data or who just of course miss the boat completely of course destroy people repeatedly in this space and this is giving them an incentive to do it you 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 can literally tell someone go out you'll sleuth to earn whatever we're going to call it and we have to trust somebody that is going to bet the but Scott, Scott, is it is it, is it, is it, is it but guys guys isn't this word moral and 
My even worse. I remind you, I'll, I want to take your minds back a couple of months when Arkham had a mislabeled address and published a, a, a false notification, which took the market, which took the Bitcoin market down, crashed the whole market. But this is of what they called an internal. Yeah, but just going back, going, going back to Scott's point, guys, is it, you love you love talking about self-regulation. You love shitting on the SEC. You love shitting on regulators. Well, this is self-regulation. This is so if someone scams, generally authorities will act. Obviously, authorities are not acting on most. By the way, I don't shit on regulation. I shit on this ethic. Uh, okay. There too. Very okay, different. fair point, fair point. But you're a believer in self-regulation, yes or no? I'm a believer in I'm a believer in self-regulation, but I also believe that a competent. Oh, forget the SEC. Forget the forget. Let's move away from move away from it. I'm not a believer. I'm not a believer. Okay, I'm I'm not okay. a believer. Exactly. So they, exactly. So so, but if you are a believer, so around that's a different point. But if you are a believer in self-regulation, well, Akram is is the definition of self-regulation. You're incentivizing the public in a decentralized way to dox someone. Now, why would you dox someone? There's going to be positive reasons doxing scammers. And there's got to be nefarious reasons, and hopefully... But this isn't about the scammers. It, it is, I, among I, other things. A bigger one, like, and to Miguel's point, which is correct, is be able to trap a whale wallet, understand what people are doing in the market. Information, it's kind of yeah, like, you know, the ad use that for me, I'm frequency trader in stocks. That part of it, I totally get, understand, and support. What I'm concerned with is the uh, Pandora that opens when you incentivize people financially to attack people or and, and they could do it literally could just choose someone they don't like and put together a story which is very easy on the blockchain that's arguably false oh so you mean you mean like you mean putting you mean putting some some scam transactions here and there to frame someone not even scam transactions it's very easy to take uh on chain so like like someone like you mean you mean like someone that you mean like just got essentially good interesting point so you mean like and, and miguel will go to you obviously because we're talking about your product but what you mean scott is essentially getting um let's say a scammer wants to frame someone so they scam money and then they send that scammed money to a wallet owned by that person and then or if someone literally just doesn't like yeah yeah and they see one transaction and they but that's but that's the problem of the that's the problem of the internet like i'm that's yeah that's exactly I actually think what Miguel, I think what Arkham is doing conceptually is extremely interesting. So I'm, listen, we're here to obviously have this conversation. There's uh, both both sides. I'm just concerned in the, the negative way that it can be used. Yeah, Miguel, and, 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 and these are, con these are concerns for us too, right? These are concerns for us too, right? We, we will fail and I will fail as an entrepreneur if there's a bunch of fake news and there's a bunch of negative information and there's a bunch of stuff that's not true on on our platform and on and on the marketplace right so we have to do as much as possible this is this is true of any platform by the way even twitter goes through a bunch of I issues and complaints uh, critiques regarding how they manage misinformation this is true of any place where people are able to freely post information about other people thankfully it'll actually be more vetted and more regulated even twitter or uh, facebook right because every bounty needs to be a approved that's number one it, the bounty needs to be approved in the first place for you to make a request about oh, okay, okay. How, how's he, Miguel, Miguel, I'll do it. And how's he, B, the submissions need to be approved as well. Okay, that's interesting. So, so I, I, by the way, for the panel, I want to go to you guys, David, Jeremy, uh, Dave, Eleanor, just to get your thoughts, especially Bruce's thoughts. But Miguel, uh, first question to you, Ryan. Ryan, do you think the solution that Akram is, is, uh, is working on is a solution that we need to have? Or you disagree with the solution itself? I know it's easy to be critical of it, but the solution itself. Yeah. Uh, I think it's I think it's smart 
Um, let me go back. I think that I think the idea itself is very smart. I'm just skeptical of offering um, random people. Uh, when I say random people, you, you know, with the, the set of rules, rewards for doxing other people's wallets. Because I don't. I, it's not because I don't think we can trust Arkham, which is a separate discussion. But I just don't think we can trust people. And I'll give you a very perfect example of that. Mario, if I do a blockchain transaction with you, and we agree that you know we'll keep the transaction private between us, and you send me money, and your fund will invest in a certain I don't know IDO, ICO, whatever the hell you call it, certain investment. I now have an incentive to to dox you because there's all of a sudden this token thing to dox you. And I'll give you another example. If I work at a big exchange and I have access to a whole lot of KYC files, and I'm you know, in the exchange, I'm, I now have an incentive to take those files and dox them because no, there no, is no, an no, incentive. Let, let, let me stop you right there with both of those examples. I'll go through them one by one. In the first one, when you're making a private transaction with, the number, with another person, first of all, you need to trust the other person to not do stuff. This has nothing to do with cryptocurrency, right? Theoretically, you could do the same with cash. You could do the same with a wire. I could put his routing number out on the internet if I wanted to. You need to trust the other person. That's number one. Number two, if they used any kind of privacy tool or privacy coin, it wouldn't be trackable regardless. Number three, they don't even need to go as far as that. If he sends the money from some kind of exchange or a fresh wallet or anything like this, there's nothing to go back to that's doxable, right? If he sends you money from a Binance account, all you're going to see is the Binance hot wallet. So there are plenty yeah, of ways... To ensure one's own states, yeah, can't use Tornado Cash. Come on. Sure, but you can use Coinbase. If you withdraw from Coinbase, what are you going to do? You're, 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 you're going to dox a Coinbase hot wallet, Miguel. Miguel, Miguel, you're a very smart guy, and you know that in terms of European regulations, all uh, very soon all transactions between one wallet, between exchanges accepting from a wallet and exchanges paying to a wallet are going to need to be KYC'd because you've read the regulation because that's your business. So you know very well that very soon, it's not about the exchange. The exchange is going to have information about the wallet where they receive money from and the wallet that they send money to, because that's that's already in European regulation. So you know very well that exchanges are going to have a whole more information about the user. And so anybody who's working in the exchange, um, anybody that is working at the exchange now has an incentive to leak that information to you guys, because they're going to earn tokens, money, et cetera, et cetera. So, number one, number two, number two. I'm not sure that I trust you guys as the custodians of information. I haven't known your company for a long time, but in the short period of time that I've known your company, you've had two or three quite serious mess ups that don't. You guys are a competent data management firm. You had a mislabeled account which crashed the crypto market not so long ago. You apologized to the public. You had effectively what is a date breach yesterday with your referral links that docks the people that have already applied to to be part of this. Okay. I mean, I'm not sure that that I want you guys being the custodians of any kind of doctor. Right. I've got to be honest. Miguel, go ahead. So, so regarding the information on the uh, exchanges, just to, again, go point by point. So regarding the information from the exchanges, it is already the case that in order to use the majority of exchanges in order to make deposits and withdrawals, that is done by a KYC. Nearly all exchanges require KYC of their customers at this point. The overwhelming majority of exchange volume from... Uh, uh, from customers is being done by a KYC account. So that's number one. You are already trusting all of these entities and exchanges and their employees to not release any. There's no, and same. Hold on, let me finish. Hold on, let me finish. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a good. Uh, uh, Rand, you got actually good, good comeback there. But Miguel, I think uh, Miguel, I shall. Rand, mention your comeback that, and let you finish, Miguel. Said there is no incentive to do so. That's uh, Rand's comment. Now you're adding that incentive. Uh, go ahead, Miguel. There, there are there are already in, there are already all kinds of darknet markets and other reasons for why people you know have leaks all over the internet. That's number one. Number two, as I mentioned before, there are protections against this kind of information uh, being on the marketplace regardless. Because as we noted in the white paper, every single bounty... What are the protections? All, every, single the protection? every single bounty and every single submission needs to be reviewed prior to actually going live on the Intel exchange, right? And so there's a massive leak uh, that comes from an illegal data breach, right? Every single piece of bounty and every submission needs to be vetted. You need to state the provenance of where you got the information in order to show that the information was shown publicly and all of these things without it, the submission actually go through. The more you talk, more you talk, the more I realize what my issue is here. My issue is not with the system. My issue is with your company managing the data. I've known your company for less than six months and in six months, you've been- We've we've actually been public around that. So before then you would have, you wouldn't have known about us. Um, regardless. So, okay, well, uh, whatever it was, I'm saying in the short time, in the short time that I've known you guys, you've had two massive fuck-ups. So, now, so, so, one of them both, was the first level address that crashed the crypto market, and one of them was a, pretty much a data breach, yes, it's, uh, which revealed all the emails in your fraudulent. Now, this is a company that's supposed to be storing the highest of confidential data, seriously? So, not, none of the information from within the Arkham platform was was revealed. That's number one. Number two, it was already the case that when people actually made, you know, invites within, as I explained in the post that we made, uh, when people made invites and accepted a referral, you could see the referrer's uh, email actually within the Arkham platform regardless because it told you in order to show. This is the company. This is the company that stored data. Um, you referred, you referred, you, you, and, you pretty much doxed the email addresses of the people that were participating in the program. I mean, come and on. And then, but the final, but Rand, Rand, just to, Miguel, the, hold on, Rand, you could just say, look, you know, but we're both fans of Binance. Binance went through a hack in 2019. They went through a hack in uh, last year. Um, does that mean Binance shouldn't exist or, you know, every company? No, I mean, I mean, if you're talking about a company that's going to be, have a business model of story. Well, last part, I mean, last part, but the last part, Tor's password. Yeah, they've had exactly, exactly, exactly. This is the last pass. Now the question is, do you trust Miguel to be a last pass knowing your record? Yeah, but I use LastPass, LastPass no, no. didn't have a hack, but then went through a security breach. I think this is for me like the solution itself is the biggest story. Whether whether Akram, you know, they, you know, if they have hacks, people will stop using it. Their reputation will get hit. So I think this is capitalism one one. I'm not too concerned whether they get hacked or not. The reason is if they get hacked again or something happens, this will impact their business, they will impact users. So they're incentivized to make sure they're secure. Um, and, and whether they have the right security team, et cetera, the, the right processes, that's a different discussion that I don't, I don't think we have the answer. But my, my bigger question is, and then Scott, you were mentioning that. Um, I'll read out a tweet here by Crypto, Crypto Condom. It says, there is no way to 100% verify wallet ownership and no one should be profiting on your data but you. But the first part of this, there is no way to 100% verify wallet ownership. That's a really interesting point, Miguel. I mean, it's just flat out wrong, right? Some people actually just post their their wallet addresses on on the internet and say, you know, these are these are my funds, or they own. True, fair, fair point. I think it's an, ex- it's an extreme statement. Public place. It is an extreme it's statement. It's very, true. But I'll, I'll reword it. Just extreme. It's wrong. How do you how do you make sure that the doxing is actually accurate? 
So every piece of information um, that can be found on, on any analytics platform, by the way, there are plenty of blockchain analysis platforms, including probably, you know, one of the more famous ones, Etherscan, um, that include labels about information about who owns what. And all of it is found in a public manner um, where you can actually make the provenance and the attribution. And the main way in which this is actually done is there are processes from blockchain analysts who use heuristics that include looking at all of the public publicly available information about who owns what. For example, I'll give you the most straightforward approach. Most exchanges now post FTX, because FTX did not have a proof of reserves and therefore after, you know, collapse because it was, you know, fraudulent. Now they are starting to post um, uh, what their hot wallets are and what their cold wallets are so that they can show and instill trust in their customers that they own those particular wallets. You can collect that and then put it on that data platform. So Miguel, now imagine that ahead, sorry. times every project in the space, every exchange, every major institution that is basically being done at scale in order to provide users with with information. Let, let me, that same provenance will be necessary on the intelligence. Let, let me go to, so I want to get the panel's thoughts on this. I'll give mine first, and then I, I would love to get, uh, uh, the, David, I'll give you the mic first, just for the audience right. as well. I want to get your thoughts as well, listening to the discussion. Miguel's answered some really tough questions, especially from Ryan, and, and I want to get your thoughts. Like, Is that a solution that is needed? Um, do the advantages, like for me, the, the thing that sold me is as soon as you talk about an incentive to dox scammers um that made it really interesting but you know we have regulators for that already do we need a decentralized solution to this that for me is what what really sold me but then the concerns are very valid as well and and Rand gave a few examples of those so i'm i'm kind of in the middle still leaning more on on i think it's really interesting solutions um david where do you stand on this look i think we increasingly live in a more public world um, and I think it's a generational issue. On the other hand, when it comes to certain information, uh, privacy is sacrosanct. And I, 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 I think it's it's quite all right. I don't think I, I have any objection. I, I, I would doubt anyone else here has an objection about aggregating publicly available information. Uh, but once you start to go across the spectrum, which is you're not aggregating, now you're drawing lines Right? And some of those lines could be questionable in terms of how valid or how accurate those lines are. And then if you go even further across the spectrum where you're incentivizing people to essentially rat out, you know, information that they know or have found out and, um, you know, go ahead and adding that to the database, then it becomes, I think, very problematic from two perspectives, not only from the perspective of I now have information being shared, which I didn't want being shared. And yes, there is always that issue, right? But you know, someone could go to the press, but it's not, not, not. But David, there isn't. But in the, it's got. I read like David isn't privacy dead in general, Mario. Yeah, well, Mario, wait, I'm not even finished. I'm not even finished. So who, who, who funded your company? Uh, all, all of our backers are are on our website. It's a mix of uh, co-founders of OpenAI. Uh, co-founders. Don't play. Hold on, hold on. He wants to play. He wants to play the penalty card. Go ahead, Rex. I think that's a really silly yeah, point. I mean, who cares? Uh, I mean, are you? Why? 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 Hold on. Why? Brent, you what? We know. We know. Links at Patentf, the CIA, and the FBI, and everything else. These are the same. Funds. They wrote. A, they wrote a check. They wrote a check. And this is my. This is my question. People are trying to draw these kind of crazy lines between this stuff, but it's incredibly normal for right, right. I'll tell you. Series A startup to go and get money from you know smart people who are also in data analytics. That's not weird at all. And I've already made statements that. You know, it's not a government project. I have nothing to do with the government. I've never worked with the government. 
So I don't understand why people keep trying to draw these lines just because I got a check from successful founders. I'll give you I'll give you an you example. It's an open AI product every day. Right, right, right. I'll give you Babylon Health, Origin, Pear Therapeutics, uh, Lilium, Sarcos, Ouija, all these are companies. They're the companies that we all use, no one has problems with, um, that Palantir invested in. Um, I like I'll tell you something. I'm facing a similar story. Like it, unless they have a big chunk, Miguel, do they have what? I don't know if it's public, but you know, do they have any decision making powers? Do they have a board seat, Miguel? That 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 Palantir is not to be clear. Palantir is not even an, an investor in, in the company, right? People who founded the company are right, uh, and and it's a minor stake in the company, regardless. And at the end of the day, none of them have any impact on our product or yeah. Right, 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 I'll give you right, right. I'll give you an right. I'll give you an example. Like I have IBC got a, if it gets a check from a, a foreign fund, yeah. Everyone in crypto gets investments from around the world, and I have an incubator, and then people built out a narrative. Hey, Mario gets checks from uh, companies or funds that are not US based. They're based in Switzerland or UK or Dubai or whatever it is. That means it's a foreign-funded media entity. I, I just don't think that argument um, holds uh, any substance, let alone it's, it's the founders of Palantir that invested. I think your concerns, your earlier concerns, Ryan, are, in my opinion, a lot more valid and, and kind of didn't change my mind. Um, David shared them, but kind of the concerns that... Um, I just don't know how you guys, Miguel, will deal with them, but we'll we'll see. Time will tell. Well, well, well. The 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 reality is that if somebody doesn't want to use our platform and they don't want to trust our data, they don't have to. That's the reality. And if they do want to use it and they want to, yeah, they're not they, 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 they can do the they can do and, it too. Yeah, but they had so on, Miguel. You have. I'll, I'll give you a solution. You had. You talked about having a, a, a an approval process for what data shared. Uh, I'm curious, what is that process? If you mentioned it already, I apologize. But that for me, because this is your solution to ensuring nefarious data is not shared. So is that a decentralized solution? Is it centralized? And how do you determine what should be and should not be or who should be and should not be doxxed? So no, if, if people want like a complete read of it, um, they can look at the white paper. Um, I'll give a high level view now. Um, basically, in the very beginning, um, we are starting out by setting out guidelines and rules for what kind of things we're going to be allowed and not allowed on, on the Intel exchange. In the same way we make decisions about what kind of things are allowed or are not allowed on the Arkham platform to date with 250,000 people using it over the past year, right? Okay, so that is already something that ha needs to be done and is currently being done within the Arkham platform. Over time, this will decentralize where based on those guidelines, then the community can you know make decisions about what submissions for bounties can go through right? Part one is just people making a request for the information. So that's one side of the market, right? So the first side of the market that needs to happen is somebody needs to say, you know, we need access to this information. And then the second part of the market is that somebody actually then needs to provide it. And then that one also gets submitted. And so we have in our white paper an outline for how we kind of are, are thinking about this problem of doing the decentralized governance of which bounties are allowed to go on and then which bounties, um, you know. So, so I, I think, Miguel, you've, you've, expl you've explained it well. So, Jeremy, um, like, I, I I like it. I think it's an interesting solution. I think it will be abused, and I think it's it's their um, their responsibility to make sure that um, the platform is not used for nefarious purposes. Now, Rand's concern, should we trust you guys? Should we not trust you guys? If they lose trust, the business dies. So I think it's really simple. And Jeremy, where do you... Like any platform, by the way. Yeah, exactly. You have to set guidelines for your users about what they can and can't. Yeah. You can't post extreme info on Twitter, right? It gets banned, it gets removed, it gets moderated. The same thing for the Intel Exchange. Yeah, but let me, Bruce, I think I'm actually more interested in Bruce. Bruce, where do you stand on this? 
Yeah, well, you know, like a lot of things, you know, like uh, math and, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of things that I don't agree with. I, I agree that it should be allowed. You know, I support the free market, but I don't think it's a great idea. You know, I, I believe in financial privacy. So, and in some cases that should be a right that people should have the right to have privacy. So, you know, in, in general, I just, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not in favor of the idea But isn't it, Bruce, wouldn't you, you say, know, would you say, isn't it, isn't it like private investigators? Like if you hire private investigators to know where I live or how much money I have, or if I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping with someone, you know, we don't say, Hey, private investigators should not exist. Is that like a, a kind of a, a private? No. Well, I didn't say, yeah, to not exist. Me implies the idea that you're going to have a force or a law to say this can't happen. And I'm not in favor. Are, are you allowed? Are you are you allowed, Bruce? Are you legally allowed? If I if I get a private investigator and find out things about you, am I legally allowed to share that information publicly? It depends on what that information is. And I think those same laws should apply to. Yeah, it probably depends on the on the information. And we should watch out for the the idea of using you know whether something's legally allowed as any kind of metric about anything that means anything. You know, because there's a whole bunch of terribly immoral and horrible things that are allowed. You know, just because you can do it. I mean, you, there's all kinds of things that that are allowed, and there's probably even more things that should be allowed. I mean, you should be allowed to be racist. You should be allowed to say horrible things. You should be allowed to offend people. You should be allowed to be a jerk. Uh, doesn't mean it's a good thing. You know, we have morality, and it's immoral, in my opinion, to you know certain things that you do do are immoral. I think it's immoral to spy on people. There can be good reasons for it, just like private investigators, but. Mm. Uh, you know, you got to really watch what, you know, what you're doing. Okay. You so I'm in favor of, of it existing. I just, I just don't, I don't like the idea. I'd prefer, you know, pursuing something else. I, I, you know, I think there's better, better business. To pursue. Uh, so, so one quick thing, which time, one quick thing, which time will tell regarding, you know, the market and, uh, and the Intel marketplace as a whole is exactly what kind of information is even popular or most valuable to share in the first place. And we will see this after the actual launch and, You know, there's the trials and we start to see which bounties are actually on, uh, et cetera, right? Again, this is still, you know, in, in, in beta phase, hasn't even been released yet. And, you know, time will tell what exactly. Oh, thanks, thanks. But this is exactly the kind of thing that would have been extremely valuable during every single crisis of fraud, of scams, of rugs, exactly. and every piece of negative information that has destroyed the reputation of the cryptocurrency industry over the past years. Right, it's not. It's like can actually be traded right. to help the community. Yeah, so so Scott, like the argument, and and by the way, Eleanor, we got your message, so we're going to talk about this right after the breaking news you sent us. But at Rand, Scott, like the argument that is being made, essentially, like, hey, the internet allows people to easily share information about anybody with the world, and anyone can access it from anywhere in the world. Whereas in the world before the internet, you couldn't do that. You had to go through centralized entities. That will essentially not allow you to share the address of someone and dox them. But now on social media platforms, you can dox anybody. Does that mean that those platforms shouldn't exist? No, but you're not financially incentivized to do so. No, yeah, I think but, but people do it for other reasons, likes, be, reputation, clout. Clicks. Hold on, hold on, you're, hold on. No, no, no. Miguel, Miguel, I got it. Miguel, exactly, Miguel, I got it. Yes, you are incentivized. Clicks. So on Twitter. You, they attack people that will get him clicks, or they dox people that will get him clicks. The media is another good example. Yeah, but right, but, it still exists. Yeah, but but you, that's not that's not a centralized company. It's not a centralized company. That does it, you know, but they are. They're, they're not centralized companies who do it. They're called news sites. I think. Uh, 
I think I agree. I think I agree with Bruce. I think it, for me, the the issue that I yeah, I have two issues as I mentioned. One is I think it's it's immoral. I think it's it's immoral and and, and unethical. Uh, number two, I don't trust the company specifically to uh, to or any company to be fair, almost but or any company. But there are companies. There are and and, and what about if it was decentralized? What about if it was decentralized? Right? Exactly. So I was going to say that the plans are going to go on because yeah. that's the plan. If you read the plan. The community gets to decide which ones go up and down on there's the platform, a big, there's right? A so big ultimately, difference. you're not relying on us. There's a big difference between this and news organizations. Right? News organizations don't pay their sources, right? And so, therefore, they're not incentivized in a. But they don't have to. They don't have to pay their sources because they get clicks, and that's how they generate no, revenue. No, 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 no. So it, it's a it's a roundabout it's a roundabout way. No. Of paying, it's a it's a round it's a roundabout way of doing it. No, you can yo absolutely not. It's it they can more easily say that they are an objective arbiter of the validity and the veracity of the information, right? Because they they will go down if the veracity isn't there. However, once they say for the platform, what's the difference no. between that and the Intel exchange? No. Nobody's going to use it. It's going to go down and fail in claims if all the information is wrong. It's not too big to fail. If anything, if anything, the New York Times is more of a too big to fail entity, no matter what they say, or any other kind of large media organization is too big to fail, no matter what they say, compared to our small crypt, you know, Intel exchange, which hasn't even launched yet. Right, these these entities put out put out information that's wrong all the time, especially about people. They're even trying to get financial information right now about you know all of the creditors of FTX from the FT and Bloomberg and all of these large institutions are trying to get the courts to review all the FTX creditors. Why? Because they want to get clicks so that they can make money. Your hope is not that your site remains small, right? Your hope is that it becomes the central repository for all crypto. Uh, information in terms of identity, right? At that point, you will become too big to fail, right? That's the slippery slope we're on here. And at that point, at that point, even before you become the behemoth, right, you will be able to incentivizing somebody financially to go ahead and do something potentially not fully accurate, let alone full-blown lie, to go ahead and take somebody down. And if you have that happening, even 2% or 5% of the time, you will continue to exist. Certainly, you won't be taken down and shut down, but you will be ruining 2 to 5% of the people. And those will just be the casualties of your war. So you're incentivized to go ahead and monetize your platform in the best way that you see fit. So you will continue to go ahead and hand out monetization as it goes ahead and fuels more activity for you know, your enterprise. All, all of the incentives are decided ahead of time and then voted on by the community at large, not necessarily me. So that's number one. And that's very different from any kind of other centralized organization. And it's one of the beauties of crypto. So that's number one. Number two, in 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 addition to that, as the platform grows, and, and as I mentioned, it's going to become more and more important that the information uh, is actually correct or else it'll suffer from immense reputational risk and the market will do its job and people will leave and they're not going to use it. And then the final part is to set a bar for a company, which in my opinion, the reason why we're even having this discussion in the first place is that it's building groundbreaking innovative technology for the entire space to set the bar as there are no, there should be no negative externalities when you're doing something that you think is positive for the world and positive for the community. 
is too high a bar and it's incorrect. Lots of companies that are building, you know, very important technology that are used by very many people can have occasions where, you know, there are mistakes. I cannot set the bar for us as no, every single little thing is going to be absolutely perfect. There may not be any negative externalities whatsoever. You know, this is not the case, but we're absolutely going to do our best. I think the community is going to do its best and we're going to set, you know, the best rules and guidelines. It's coming, Miguel, it's it's just coming. Jeremy, 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 it's just for me, it looks like it's coming down to execution rather than the idea itself. What do you think? Well, uh, first, I was going to say, if the system can't be used to do bad things, uh, then the system doesn't work, right? So it's kind of necessary that the system be possible uh, to be able to be used to do bad things, uh, or or the system wouldn't have the properties that that you want the system to have. But, uh, But more importantly, I actually think um, you know, debating all of this stuff, uh, you know, when it's something uh, that you can't um, pick up and use. And I understand that there's a, you know, uh, a private beta or something like this. But, you know, you, you, the answer to all this stuff is be skeptical, uh, you know, wait and see. And when there's something there that you can pick up and try for yourself and evaluate for yourself, you know, then you can see if it works and if you, you can see if it's real. Yeah, okay. yeah but you're, right now, it's this entirely theoretical, uh, uh, you know, discussion that, that, you know, I would suspect is more motivated by the desire, uh, you know, to sort of create hype around something that you can't actually think, pick up and yeah, use. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, like, shouldn't we, like, Ryan, shouldn't we be applauding innovation and then let the markets decide if it ends up being net negative to the community? It won't exist anymore. Either users will, will flunk out of it or regulators will act. In this case. Yeah, but in, in, in this case, the problem is that when it happens, it may be too late. That's the problem. It, they, they may have, they may leak your data or realize that they got non-fired, but by that time, they've already got, I agree with that. So, so in, in terms of this, at the end of the day, additionally, the thing can be shut down. That's the other, you know, major major part of it. It's not just kind of running autonomously. Many of these questions were asked of all, kinds, of all, all kinds of... But I thought it was decentralized. De- decentrali- it was decentralized. De- decentralized governance of the bounty and submission system does not mean that the system cannot be shut down. Those are two dilemmas. Uh, the governance is very different from the actual operation of the software itself. Okay. And, then would have, and, then, and then it would have been matured. I think it would have matured to allow... When, when we get to decentralization, we would have known if the... If the the, the 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 solution is net positive or net negative, Jeremy. So so number two, I think this is I think this is this is the other big thing. I mean, even if you have a system and all the decentralization decentralization is there, uh, did Jeremy drop out? Is it my end? Yeah, he dropped out. Eleanor, I know you've met. Yeah, yeah, Ella, you dropped out. Eleanor, uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I know you sent through uh, the a piece of news. I think we'll talk about it tomorrow. Let us get more information on it. But uh, after Jeremy, Eleanor, I'd love to get your thoughts as well uh, before we wrap it up. Jeremy, you were saying, oh no, he's connecting. Uh, Eleanor, what do you think of the solution? Do you think the benefits outweigh the risks? I think it's really interesting. Honestly, like, I feel like this is, you know, this is, hasn't, we haven't heard anything like this before. This is a very unique solution to sort of a niche problem, right? But but one that's, you know, kind of flaked the industry for, for the, I mean, since it's been around, right? I mean, we, we need to get rid of, fraudsters we need to you know kind of build the the good name up in cryptocurrency again so kind of you know weeding out this these people is a great is a great thing but yeah. at the same time what cost benefit i mean <clears throat> excuse me i mean the the tweet that i that i shared with you mario and i'll just you know i'll just kind of give you an overview yeah, go ahead i mean does this sort of like kind of i mean it, it's kind of you know the the timing is interesting right because this just came out from the u.s attorney's office um manhattan u.s attorney 
uh, just basically arrested a guy um, because he was a senior executive or a senior engineer, I'm sorry, at an international tech company. He used his expertise to defraud the exchange and its users. He stole approximately $9 million in crypto. He laundered and he laundered the stolen funds through a series of complex transfers on the blockchain. He swapped cryptocurrencies, hopped across different crypto blockchains, and used overseas crypto exchanges. This I mean, is Miguel, this is it? I'm sorry. My finance hack from last year is that correct? I, yeah, I believe so. And he was just he was just arrested today. And yeah, so I mean, does your solution kind of? I mean, does this? I mean, does this solve problems like that? My question. Of course, of course. The whole point is that when situations like that happen, there is then an incentive from the community that's actually getting you know exploited in these situations to actually then go out and you know put in real work and real hours to try to figure out who's behind this person so that they can be you know who's behind the fraud in order for them to be potentially reported to the authorities or for the community to know or you know whatever right this is this is the general intention right imagine if this was already out uh, and it could have prevented very large frauds and crises within crypto such as the ftx alameda collapse all of that information was on chain lawyers are getting paid hundreds of millions hundreds of millions because prior to prior prior to it becoming a 30 billion dollar fraud there would have already been a massive incentive because there were plenty of rumors circulating for years about what was going on between FTX and Alameda. And there were plenty yeah, of people who were talking about it. And I'm not even being but, critical But maybe it wasn't enough. People who saw those yes. And, may, and maybe, and maybe, just maybe, because there wasn't any kind of, you know, as you say, financial incentive for them to do so, they didn't take the extra step of actually writing up a report and submitting it to the community. Right? Yeah, Maybe that's the I final. May, that's yeah, the final I step. I think we all agree. Yeah, conceptually, I, I understand that and I get that. But I, I would be willing to bet that fifty people who are completely innocent would have been dragged into some complete bullshit in that process. But that I get. But, but Scott, like, he just bothers me. Scott, Scott, we constantly, compl- Scott, we constantly complain how regulators are not acting fast enough or acting at all when it comes to scams. Well, there's a solution, an imperfect one. While we applauding the solution, um, I'm glad I'm, we should be critical, and I'm glad we're putting it. Of course, reconceptually, I think my problem is the actually I think the solution is extremely innovative and interesting, and I think that there's a great business probably here for Arkham. The part that I don't like because I've seen it over and over and over again is it is going to incentivize a bunch of wannabe on-chain detectives to now go do what they do and make. But those on-chain, yeah, but then you're you're, in, you're allowing people like Zach XBT and others. You're 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 monetizing what they do, and I think you know Correct. they're not perfect. These guys, all of whom have complained that and, they're not paid enough. Yeah, and these guys look. I, I, these guys are not going to be perfect, man, and and they're going to be held accountable. I and and I don't know how. No, they're not. Yeah, they will not be held accountable if they're not perfect. They lose credibility. They lose. They lose. They lose credibility. I think people will stop. No, they don't. It's forgotten. Three days. It's forgotten every day. I I, 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 I I welcome you to participate in the Intel Exchange governance process of approving bounties, approving submitters, and approving submissions as well. You can join everyone on, on you can join everyone on banning the dude, I hate shit on chain sleuths too, right? They're like, you know, moonlighting my full time job. Right. I don't like that either. I don't like the misinformation. You know, they're 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 basically the scammer equivalent of my job and my business, right? I want absolutely nothing to do with that. I only want high quality content that can help the community at scale to try to uncover all of the sickening activity that goes on in the space 
under wraps. The pen of your Miguel, Miguel, Miguel. This is the best, and this is the best proposal that I've come up with for this, and that's why I revealed it to the community. Don't disagree with that, but that we're talking more now about the sort of rug pull and scammer side. The original pitch and the part that I think is really, really interesting was actually more about you said clients being hedge funds trading, obviously tracking whale wallets, that side of it, correct? I mean, which to me is more like the, sort of the high. So, 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 we, so, let, so let me, yeah, 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 really for sure, for sure. And let me give you, and let me give you the numbers, right? 250,000 users, probably 200 of 200,000 of those are regular retail traders and regular retail people who use our platform in order to do this kind of due diligence and risk management that I described. The other around 50,000 are professional investors, professional market makers and traders who use it across around 3,000 institutions. Okay. So it's yeah, a mix. A it's business. definitely a mix. And I think that, yeah, so that's why I'm building it. And I want to see yeah, I, if I, it works yeah, and I, I want to prevent problems. Is at the margin, and, and it is with anything else. I understand that argument, and that point from both yourself and Mario. I just, you know, it, it's hard when obviously, even though we all know that the pl- 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 blockchains are not uh, private and they're not used for privacy. I mean, a lot of people do trust that they can effectively transact directly with one or another without hundred people. Watching. Yeah, I, I think I think Miguel, Miguel, you're, you've got incredible, incredible responsibility on your back. I think it's a like you guys ensuring that it's not used for nefarious purposes is going to be the determining factor on whether this will work or not. Because I think the solution makes sense, but the flaws are are tricky to navigate. And look, I've been the victim, Ran, and, and I'm, I'm sure Scott, Scott probably been the victim the most of of, yeah. of these investigators that, that just don't care about facts and instead care about clicks. So incentives are misaligned. If you guys could ensure that the incentive is is facts rather than money because if they can just sit there calling out others and, and the verification process is not right i don't know how you, again i don't know how you guys could really verify the actual owner of a wallet but if you guys if there's a flaw in that and someone capitalizes on that flaw then they start abusing the platform just to print money and to make money because the the verification process doesn't make sense and then you become more of a problem rather than a solution and that's a problem that us three and many others have faced and, and I completely agree with you. I think that with any major project and with any, you know, thing that you build that acquires great power, you have an enormous amount of responsibility. I intend to use that in good faith as well as I possibly can. I've completely tied myself to this company from a reputation, financial perspective. It's basically my entire life. I want to make sure that, you know, it succeeds. I want to, and the way in which I'm doing that, I'm trying to align it as much as possible with the community. And at the end of the day, like other large projects like OpenAI, uh, MidJourney, any kind of computer generation, there are tons of these very valid negative externalities that people put out regarding deep fakes, fake content on the internet, you know, misinformation, et cetera. Those are all real critiques. And it's up to the companies to make sure that those things don't happen. Yeah. And I follow Look, the same. Miguel, Miguel, I'll, I'll wrap it with this in the kind of indirect jab at Ryan. Not sure if he's even listening, but I'd say like your. Who your investors are doesn't really get Palantir invested or the founders of Palantir invested. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, shit, shit. Okay. Yeah. Now, I think, look, Rand's points are very valid. I think you, you should really listen to... No, look, I, look I, I'll be honest. And, and can I let you wrap up, Rand? Um, but my, my thoughts, Miguel, is that who you invested in, Miguel, the founders of OpenAI and all that shit, like, congratulations. I don't really care. Mistakes you've done before, that referral link and, and the, the, the call that you did earlier that Rand was very critical of, I don't really care. I care about what, what happens moving forward, that you take that, and it seems you're taking that responsibility very seriously. 
Um, Because I think we'll be having you on the show again. But hopefully it's for positive reasons where you called out a scam rather than negative reasons where someone, uh, you know, got kidnapped because their wallet got doxxed and they're sitting in Belarus, not Belarus, uh, they're sitting in in Slovenia and uh, out of nowhere. Uh, they're in a car and and getting their finger chopped off. So so you're you've got an incredible responsibility on your back, and and I hope that the result uh, um, the result is positive. Rand, your final thoughts? Do you agree with my with the way I wrapped it up? I think I agree with you. I think there's good and bad in in what Mitchell's doing. Um, I don't, as I said, I find the incentive a little bit immoral. But I mean, you know, uh, you know everyone has different morals and different ethics. Um, immoral unless it comes immoral it depends what they use because some of them are moral like calling out a scammer that's moral agree yeah agree agree um i as i said my biggest concern is around the the company um that is doing this uh it's very soon in the process but you know already they have got the best track record and they're dealing with very very uh, uh sensitive information in this case um so, you know, my trust levels start off very, very low and in time they'll be able to to to, to win my trust. Cool. Oh, well, guys. Uh, I hope we'll convert you into a true believer, Rand. Yeah, man. Hopefully we'll have you on. Now, don't, 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 don't look forward to it. Don't say that, Miguel. Like, you, 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 some people are just a lost cause, bro. Um, look, I just want to applaud Scott. No, no, not Mario, Mario. I have a very, Mario, I have a very open mind. I have a very I've aired my concerns. I've aired my concerns. I, I believe my concerns have got... Uh, you know, substance to them. They're not just concerns. I don't. I didn't wake up in the morning. I just have concerns. I have an ethical concern. The, the company that we're dealing with has had two very, very, very simple mishaps that have huge implications. Um, you know, or, uh, and so to me, that's not a company that right now has a hundred percent of my trust. As I'm sure, it's the same. The, the same. The, 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 the same is probably all. All, all of these things will be mitigated. All of these things will be mitigated with time, and the market will tell. Miguel, I think you've handled the interview. Yeah, but as, but yeah, but as I, I say, as I say, you know, but problem is the problem is by the time that there is a data breach, we'll all be able to say I told you so. But the data breach will already happen. But you can right? say that, but Randy, you can say that about and pretty much any company. That's that's a, that's a problem across. Yeah, the world. yeah, that's why. That's why. That's why. But not any company skirts on that plus mm. uh, uh, something that I believe is immoral. It's, it's yeah, none. And look, look, and, and, and Miguel, Miguel, just kind of put it into perspective. Like, Ran has been the victim of of uh, of uh, a problem that your platform could lead to, and I'm going through one now, where um, the incentives are just misaligned, where people care more about clicks um, rather than truth. And this, for me, is the most important aspect of your platform. But anyway, look, I think we've butchered it. Uh, I think you've done great in in this interview, this chat. I appreciate you taking the tough questions. And, um, you know, Scott, I want to applaud you for leading a great show in the last few days, man, with me and right away. You, you fucking killed it. So I just want to give you all the credit for you. The last, the last seven days, you, you were, you were an incredible moderator. The feedback has been great. So well done there, Scott. It was like three days, man. <laughs> I appreciate you all. We'll see, we'll see you again tomorrow. If you want to come on. I think be- although I do believe it's the best moderating Scott's done. Well, what did you say? Sorry, did you just compliment me? He's basically saying when I'm not. Yeah, so he just complimented me. So the first compliment I got from Rand publicly. I, I, I love, I love Scott. I think over oh, the three of us, he's the best moderator. I had a great weekend with him. Well, speak for yourself, bro. Look, I'm not putting my, I'm not putting my hand to this. Out of the two of you, is the best moderator. Keep me out of it. The worst. Hi guys. Anyway, we'll see you again tomorrow, same time. Appreciate you all, Miguel. Well done, and for the panel, thank you so much for joining. As always, see you all tomorrow. Bye, everyone. Thanks, guys.